Thank you for being here this morning. We have several folks who are visiting with us today. Glad that you've come. Hope that you can be back with us this evening at 5 o'clock for our period of Bible study. Tonight in our Bible study we'll be in Psalm 115, if you want to be preparing that. Lots of things happening. We announced already that our gospel meeting begins in just four, it's four weekends away now. We uh, adjusted the dates on that because of the fall break with the schools, trying to give everyone the best possible advantage of being here and participating in that. Hope that you're making your plans on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, to be with us. Jordan Schaus is going to be here. Uh, if you've never met Jordan, uh, you're in for a treat. He's a, he's a fine young man, good young preacher. He was trained by Tim uh, over in Chattanooga, so uh, looking forward to having him here, and uh, we will have a good weekend together uh, with him. Uh, my, uh, my schedule is to uh, leave in a couple of weeks, headed over to Italy for the Grotto Studies. At the end of August every year, we have those studies. It is a, it's studies designed primarily for young people, for young men. And uh, it's always a very exciting time. It's a very intense time uh, of work. Uh, but lots of good things come from that. And uh, we are very, very encouraged about uh, the things that are happening over there right now, the progress that's being made there. They had a baptism in Trieste this past weekend from a lady and her husband have been worshiping together uh, for the last few months with the folks in Montfalcone, and she decided that she wanted to become a New Testament Christian, and uh, she was baptized last Sunday. So lo lots of good things happening there, and we are excited about that. Looking forward to being with them again. I'll be away for two Sundays and then I will be back, but beginning a meeting with uh, the church at West End in Bowling Green on September the 9th, uh, just as I'm coming back from Italy. That should be rich in my jet lag experience to begin that meeting there. Then I'll be back here for the uh, weekend of the gospel meeting, of course, and looking forward to all of that. This morning, we're going to talk for just a few minutes, especially for our young people, about the great expectations that God has for young people. One of the things that impresses us in the scripture is that the Bible is not culturally sensitive in the sense that the scripture tiptoes around all of the trendy things that one finds in culture. It is a cultural thing today to give young people a pass, not to expect very much, uh, to anticipate uh, uh, the very uh, least, to go to the lowest common denominator. And, and I want to say to you, the scriptures do not do that. Over and over again in the scriptures, we have every indication that God has great confidence in young people. He believes that they can learn about Him. He believes that His Word can be implanted deep within their hearts in such a way as to make an impression on them and change their lives. He believes that young people can choose to serve Him and to do what is right. And so this morning, as we have read in our scripture reading, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, Rejoice, young man, in the days of your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, that is, go after your desires, your ambitions, that's fine. But, with all of that being said, remember God. Even in the days of your youth, 
remember God. This is no time for you to check out on God. It's not as if God is giving you a pass for the next few years and you can just go out and do whatever, uh, whatever you would desire that is within keeping of your carnal nature in the sense of your fleshly desires. No, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, look, go after your dreams, go after your ambitions. Enjoy the life that God has given to you. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the serious downsides of social media is that young people are being robbed of the joy of the life that they have right now. The things that they have, the abundance that they have, the, the simple pleasures of life because social media is full uh, of all of these glamorized presentations, these images uh, uh, of a presentation of a life that is at its apex, at, at its pinnacle. Everybody is putting the very best on there. And, and if you're not careful, you begin to think, man, my life is... My life is boring. My life is terrible. I don't have anything. I've never been anywhere. I've never done anything. Uh, I, and, and I'm saying to you, one of the great blessings of life is the blessing to eat and drink and enjoy what God has given to us today. Over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher was reminding People, if you can enjoy what God has given you now, not, not just always loathing and regretting what God didn't give you, what you would like to have had that you don't have. If you can enjoy what God has given you today, that is a great blessing. It is a great blessing. I want to say some things to you about God's great expectations of young people. And, and I just want to begin by saying, God expects great things from young people, and we should too. He expects great things. You remember when Joseph was young, God was already in the process. God had chosen him from before the foundation of the world, no doubt. Even as the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1, separated him for the work that he was going to do. But I'm saying to you that in Genesis chapter 37, as Joseph is still a young man, he's still at home with his family. God is already working in his life. Listen to me carefully. You may be still at home with your family, but God can work in your life already even while you are still home, even while you are still with your family. God can work in your life. Joseph was uh, serving his father. He was uh, uh, revealing the dreams that God gave to him. You remember in Genesis 39, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up down in Egypt in the house of Potiphar. And yet, God expected Joseph, even though he's been wronged, even though his brothers did not appreciate him, even though he has been lied about, even though his father has not come and rescued him, he knows not why. We know because we read the rest of the book. But he doesn't know. He's just there. And while he's there, he's doing what is right. He is serving God. 
And everything he does, he's got the Midas touch. It turns to gold. And finally, Potiphar just turned his whole household over to him. Because Joseph not only was a wise steward, he was a very trustworthy steward. It was the wife of Potiphar who, who lusted after Joseph and enticed him to commit immorality. And he did what was right under great duress in a situation that was very, very difficult. He chose to do the right thing. Are you hearing me on this? He's a young man. He was 17 years old when all of this started. He is far away from home. He is being pressured in his job by the authorities above him. And he chose to do what was right. God expected him to do what was right. And he did. In Daniel chapter 1, you remember Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They are expatriated from Jerusalem while they are still young men. They are taken to Babylon to the palace. They are going to be schooled for three years by Ashpenaz, who is the prince of the eunuchs. And he's going to prepare them to stand in the presence of the king. And the text tells us that in spite of being taken out of their homeland, away from their family, away from the temple, away from the priests, away from anybody. who The Bible tells us that Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. He purposed in, him, in his heart. He was a young man, far away from home, who had already purposed in his heart who he was and what kind of life he was going to live. Young people, I'm saying to you this morning, God expects you to purpose in your heart who you are. And he expects you to purpose in your heart what kind of character you're going to have and what kind of life you are going to live. King Josiah became king when he was only eight years old. A few years later, when the copy of the law is found, he becomes the leader of a great reformation movement in Judah. You remember in 2 Kings chapter 22. And you remember that he begins to tear down the idols and the shrines and the altars to the pagan deities. And he is trying to rid the land of the idolatry that is an abomination to God. He was a young man. But he was serving God in a tremendous way. In a way that many who were older than him had failed to do. Jeremiah, you remember, as he's receiving his commission from God, as God is calling him to the prophetic office of taking his message to the nation of Judah. Jeremiah is acknowledging that he is but a young man, and God said, don't say that. Don't say to me, I am only a young man. Old you are. God is saying to Jeremiah, I, I'm the one who called you. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly how old you are. I know exactly what you are capable of. You can do what I've called you to do. I'm saying to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, let's expect good things, great things, spiritually speaking, from our young people. Because every indication in the Word of God is that God expects great things 
from young people. I, I want to remind you that God expects young people to have convictions about right and wrong. You don't have to wait until you are 25 or 30 or 50 years old and, and married and have a family and have kids and have grandkids, and then you decide where you're going to draw your lines and what your convictions are going to be because now you have life. God expected young people to have convictions about right and wrong from the very beginning. I don't know what all went on in the house of Jacob. Jacob, uh, Jacob had a lot of kids. You remember that? I'm just guessing they had some mornings that were chaotic in the tent. I, I, I am just thinking there were times when it was just like fruit basket turnover and, and trying to do something or go somewhere or move around. But I'm also impressed with something. When Joseph was only 17 years old, his mother had already died. But when Joseph was only 17 years old, he had a clear conviction, not just an understanding. No, my daddy said, do this. My daddy said, I can't do that. It wasn't just my daddy said. Let me tell you something. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, his daddy wasn't there. He's 17 years old. He's not there. When he arrived in Egypt, he already had a clear conviction that in the eyes of God, some things are right. And he had committed himself to doing the things that were right. And he had a clear conviction that some things are wrong, and he had committed himself to, to not doing the things that were wrong. And so when the occasion arose that he was placed, this was an employment situation, except even worse because they actually owned him. And they had the power of life and death over him. But when he was in an employment situation in which he was being pressured by his boss or his boss's wife to do something that violated a basic fundamental conviction that he held. This isn't about what his dad believed. As far as Joseph knew, he would never see his dad again. This was about what Joseph believed. I, I'm saying to you, when, when you leave home and you go to school this week, chances are your mom and dad aren't going to be there. And every young person needs to leave to go out with an understanding that some things are right. I am convicted that these things are right. It's not just because my mom and dad said so and they're watching me and I'm going to get it. It's not because this is right. And I'm committed to doing what is right. And, and there's some things that are just wrong. It's, it's just wrong. And, and I'm not doing that because that's not who I am. One of the greatest gifts that your parents can give you is the gift of helping you understand who you are.
All of us need to know who we are. We need to know who we are, and then we need to make choices accordingly. In the, in the book of Genesis, as Daniel left home with those convictions in his heart, and by the way, it wasn't his idea to get the train ticket down to Egypt. It, it, his transportation was provided. But when Joseph arrived down in Egypt, when Joseph arrived down there, he had to decide whether or not he was going to be true to the convictions he held in his heart about right and wrong. Somebody said, well, you know, the, Egyptian, uh, the Egyptians, they, they, were, they were pagans and they didn't believe in God and they had different ideas. I'm talking about Joseph talking about what he believed. The same was true of Daniel and his friends when they were in Babylon. They had the same issue at hand. They had to decide who they were and whether or not they were going to live true to their convictions. Convictions will make you different from the people around you. I, I, I want to tell you, one of the things you're going to notice as you let your light shine in the world, one of the reasons your light shines is because you're different. And our difference ought to be based on the fact that we are making choices based on the convictions that we have that some things are right, I'm committed to doing what is right, and some things are wrong, and I am committed to abstaining from things that I believe are wrong. And if you live your life that way, you will be different at times from those who are around you. Sometimes there will only be a few people who are like you. And listen to me. Sometimes there may be no one else at that moment who's around you who is like you. You need to know who you are. And you need to have strong convictions that enable you to make good choices in life about right and wrong. You need to do that because that's good for you. But you need to do that most of all because God expects that of you. He expects you to have convictions about right and wrong and to make your choices accordingly. And third and finally, God expects young people to do what is right even when they're far away from home. Joseph was a long way from home. And uh, inasmuch as he was a slave, he really, uh, he didn't get two weeks vacation at the end of August. They didn't shut down uh, all the government offices in Egypt and let everybody have furlough to, to go back home. And even if they had, he had no train ticket. He had no money. He had no way of being there. Joseph was far away from home. Had Joseph compromised on his conviction with Potiphar's wife, what's his daddy going to say about that? His daddy's not going to know. Well, what about his brother? His oldest brother. The next, the next, his brothers aren't going to know. But Joseph would know. And more importantly, God was going to know.
And when Joseph responded to his master's wife, that's exactly what he said to her. How can I do such a thing, sin against my master and sin against God? Daniel, the same situation, far away from home, expatriated into the hands of an enemy king to have a civil service job in the cabinet of his government. Daniel, had he had his choice of careers, that may not have been the booth that he went to on career day at high school. It may not have been his first choice to go to Babylon and be a civil service employee. But Daniel was there. Far from home. Nobody knew him. He was blessed in that he had Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, at least at times, part of his company. But Daniel purposed in his heart already. His dad didn't know, his mom didn't know, his grandparents wouldn't know, his friends at school wouldn't know, but God would know. And he would know. And he chose and purposed in his heart to do what was right. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, that one of the awesome characteristics of God is His omniscience. He knows everything. He knows everything. We're not going to escape the knowledge of God. We're not going to escape the presence of God. And we're not going to escape the knowledge of God. He knows. He knows it all. When Jonah received his commission to go preach to Nineveh, you remember that Jonah decided instead to get on a boat and go the other direction. What a foolish thing to do. You can't run away from God. You, you can't find a place so far away from home that God will not know where you are, that God will not know what you are doing. God knows. We are in his presence always. One of the things that young people remember as they leave the domain of home and their parents and they go out into the world and they're surrounded by friends, uh, they're in an employment situation, they're in a social recreational situation, they know daddy's here, daddy's not here, mom's here, mom's not here, brother and sister see me, brother and sister don't see me. God knows. God And God expects young people and older people to do what is right, even far from home. So I, I want to remind you this. How, how is it possible that this could happen? How is it possible? It is possible for us to be the people God wants us to be as long as we are staying focused on Jesus Christ, as long as we understand who we are, as long as we are seeing the model of the behavior that we're seeking uh, to emulate, Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to be the people God expects us to be. Jesus makes that possible. Jesus is the one who lived his life to show us the way he wanted us to live. Jesus was the perfect example of a man living in the flesh and living by his convictions of right and wrong. He certainly, at times, was the only one who was choosing in the way that he chose. Jesus did what was right over and over again, even in spite of the circumstances, he did what was right. 
I, I'm saying to you this morning, if you want to know what the key is to fulfilling the expectations of God, Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key. We need to walk with him. We need to be united with him. We need to stay focused on him. Without Jesus, without Jesus, no way. With Jesus, you got this. Because Jesus is going to take us exactly where we need to be. No matter how far from home, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how intense the pressure, our eyes are focused on Jesus and our hands are clasped firmly to his hands. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, what a wonderful time to begin your walk with Jesus. Confess your faith in the Lord, repent of your sins in your heart, and be buried in baptism for the remission of your sins this very day. And if you're a child of God, walking with the Lord, but somehow you've let go and you are walking on your own, I'm asking you to run. Don't walk back to the Lord. And if we can pray for you and encourage you this morning, let us do that. While we stand and sing, we invite you to come.